When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, September 28th, two days after Notre Dame's 62-27 victory over UMass. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley to talk about Notre Dame's big win, the most points scored by Notre Dame since Lou Holtz's last home game against Rutgers in 96. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Notre Dame in the first half and not playing a good first half. If you look at it, it was 21 minutes of really good football and nine minutes of really bad Defensive football. You can't say the Notre Dame came out flat or you know unprepared to play quality football. They had a ninety-five and an eighty-yard touchdown drive, and in the first three series, they only gave up about sixty-five yards defensively. So they started well. There was just a nine-minute gap in there that made it a lot more interesting than it appeared it would be after the the quick start. Yeah, Tim and I we both turned Holtz into an adjective in our columns after the game about the way Notre Dame's offensive line and running game behaved because it was just. It was there was no mercy to that group at all. I mean, UMass had no chance to win the game because Notre Dame's offensive linemen weren't going to allow it. And yeah, you dig into Notre Dame's defense a little bit more. You know, it's the it's the throwback pass. It's a really bad run fit, right. and that is half of their yardage for the first half. Right there is two plays basically. Um, so, yeah, do, were they great defensively? No. Is it a game where I look at it and be like, wow, I have major concerns about Notre Dame's defense? Also, no, because unless a bunch of teams are going to come out and play six offensive linemen, unbalanced lines, trick gadget plays, you know, that seems to be the only way you can get Notre Dame defensively is to, uh, you know, I think eye discipline is becoming the buzzword of the season. Uh, better than Bri- foot strike. Yeah, better than foot strike than in Brian Kelly teleconferences. And Notre Dame isn't great at that. So is that going to be something that holds true for the rest of the season? Probably not because not every team is going to be able to run a quarterback, throwback, halfback, option, double, triple Lutz pass. Yeah, and you know it's an excuse to say had Redfield been there instead of Farley – they would have made that 83-yard run into a 41-yard run, and you could force a punt, but probably true, right? I mean, he gets Tim said he cuts off that angle or he runs it yeah, down. I, it's Well, if, if Kavari Russell doesn't fall down, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a one-yard run. Right. But he's coming off the edge, and he mm-hmm. slips and falls. and that, it, I mean, that it's football that happens. Sure. Like, you don't always make the play, and Notre Dame didn't make a couple of them. But, again, I think just it comes back to Notre Dame's offensive line. For whatever happened defensively, Notre Dame's offensive line was just not going to allow – Anything but a blowout win. No, and they're going to be, it, it's going to be, are we going to see a unit better than them? Are we going to see a front seven better than Notre Dame's offensive line, fully intact with ProSize behind it? I mean, that is a, we know the one, you know, there, there's obviously Clemson and USC are going to bring some talent in Stanford, of course, but boy, they are, if if no one gets hurt on that offensive front and if ProSize stays healthy as a 275 carry back will be, I mean, he won't be as healthy in week 12 as he is right now, but that's, 
they got something going with, with that, right? And it really helps because they, they need it. They need it for the quarterback. But if, if you have that offensive line and running game, they'll be fine. In addition to what you guys are saying, Pete, what you're saying about the offensive line, the tight ends, Wisher and Hounshell blocked really, really well. The wide receivers blocked really, really well. And they pretty much have all year. That's been a good blocking unit. It's a good blocking offense. There's no doubt about it. And that's without your top two you know, projected tight ends. Uh, you know, you mentioned the extra blocker. Notre Dame's now had 22 three and outs. So they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good defense. They took that on. You have to give Mark, you know, I know people don't know who the hell Mark Whipple is, but he's he is a solid football coach that has won wherever he's been. He's been on smaller levels, New Haven, Brown, UMass, but he did win a national title in, in you know, one double A, and he's a He's a good coach, and he's going to, you know, you have to go to extremes against Notre Dame in that situation. He talked about that afterwards. you got to take some chances, like a fake punt, you know, and things like that. But in terms of the quote of the, or the phrase of the year, I discipline, you know, I think Notre Dame, you know, I asked Brian Kelly about on Sunday, you know, can you, does I discipline explain when you fail? Does I discipline explain everything? I knew what it, his answer would be. No, it doesn't. I mean, you can't, you want your players to think that, look, We've got all the answers. If you just follow your eye discipline, you're going to do it the right way. It's not always exactly true. Yeah, I mean, that was a great question uh, for, from you to Kelly yesterday because I think if, if you're a smart offensive coach and you know what their keys are, what the defensive, where, right. where their eyes are going to take right. them, you can trick them. And I think he, he said that, well, that wasn't the case at Virginia where Elijah Shumate crashing down was a mental mistake. Against UMass, that wasn't the case. That UMass tricked them, and I think that you saw it on the the throwback quarterback pass. They had two guys beyond the last line of defense. I mean, they totally had Notre Dame faked out, and that one it was an unbalanced offensive line. I believe they had six offensive linemen in that set. I mean, it was it was it was a well conceived play. Um, you know, I, I, one stat that I wanted to mention, just sort of as we talk about Notre Dame's running game, they're on pace, and the rush defense are going to get a lot, lot better from here on out, but they're on pace for 110 carries of 10 yards or more this season. That's Under wow. Kelly, they have averaged 63.6 wow. per season. So that that's an offensive line. You know, Tim, you mentioned the receivers block well. That's about them. And, you know, it's obviously about pro size on top of all that. But it's it just this offense overall is, is a rushing attack is – by far the best thing that Kelly has had. Here. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say when Tim said the wide receivers are blocking well, you, you know, part of the reason you have to block well if you know a guy can take it 55 yards every time he turns the corner. I mean, it has got to be an effort where you think, I just got to hold my block another half a second, right? <laughs> this is going to be 55 yeah. yard touchdown run. Yeah. You're not blocking well for a plotting attack that you're hoping to get six yards on second and five. I mean, when they when he turns that corner or he hits the second level, Chances are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and uh, Josh Adams, 70-yard run. I mean, that was as explosive. He he had a crease. He hit it. That was as explosive as – he's a lot – I don't want to say he's going to be the next pro size, but there are a lot of similarities in terms of size, length, ability to hit that crease. The The biggest difference right now is that, you know, when when defenders are trying to tackle pro size in open field, it's like mosquitoes hitting the windshield. I mean, they, they, they don't – they don't bounce off. They just go straight to the ground. It is just incredible, his lower body strength. And he, he brushes off tackles. You don't even realize a yeah. defender has hit him. That's how easily they, they just fall to the ground. And his cut at scrimmage on that 
50, was it 55 yard touchdown run? 59 yard touchdown run? It was yeah. just ridiculous. They're just so long I mean, that you lose yeah. track yeah. after yeah, 50. Well, Deshaun Kaiser, you know, after the game, we Tim and I talked about some of the bad throws he made, but he really played a very solid football game, made a lot of good decisions, I thought. You know, really for two starts, and I realize UMass, you knew Notre Dame was going to get 500 yards. They ended up getting about 650 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been really good. I mean, two starts. I, I uh, For a first-time starter, I think he's done a really, really nice job. You know, also, as we said, we won't really know exactly how much progress he's made until we see this weekend's game against Clemson. But I thought he did a lot of good things. He checks into the right plays. He's very coachable. Uh, I'm a little surprised at some of the accuracy issues, especially in light of what we saw during the preseason. But yeah. that's just that's non-live football versus live bullets, and it's different. Yeah, I think we're we're sort of getting a little bit of a book on Kaiser now. And, uh, you know, I, I agree he's coachable. He takes criticism from Kelly well he interacts he has seems to have a healthy rapport with him on the sidelines that's all important I mean Kelly has mentioned how coachable he is probably three or four times uh in the last week you know his arm strength with the deep ball is not great certainly not compared to Wimbush or Zaire you know he's underthrown Fuller a couple times and you know one of them ended up being a pick over the weekend so I think you're seeing maybe the top is being put back on defenses not because Will Fuller can't take it off with his speed because but Notre Dame can't get the ball that far down the field and then the short stuff with the footwork I think that's just going to be an issue all year I mean it's uh and I think Brian Kelly can appreciate this if, if you've got if you're a golfer and you've got something wrong with your swing and you go talk to a swing coach you just don't go out and play the round and like everything's great all of a sudden it's going to take a long time for him to sort of even and even if there are minor corrections with footwork as Kelly and Kaiser have indicated that's not just something that you just snap in and it's good. No, but I do think that, and this is easy for me to say as a non-quarterback and a non-coach, but I do think some of it is just mental in there because third down, he dialed in. I mean, he, he completed four third down passes that eventually led to touchdowns. Right. It was Wisher being one yeah, of those, a yeah, big conversion. It, it, it's, that's, you need that from him because you're not going to have perfect games from Deshaun Kaiser. So if he can continue to be, he's not going to keep getting those great looks against the defenses that await. But if you keep having him dialed in on third down where he mentioned, I just kind of ripped it on those throws... As they need a little bit more of him, not worrying about planting his foot at the exact right time and bouncing throws outside. The the length, the ability to throw the ball long, I think, is one of the most overrated aspects of a quarterback, especially when you have Will Fuller on the field, who is so great with yards after the catch. You don't have to throw it 60 yards down the field. Just throw it 30 to 35 and let him do what he does after that. And that's why I think it's very important that Chris Brown now has had a couple games where you know, he's had some yards after the catch. It's good to see him get in the end zone last week. He's developing into a, a, a compliment for him. Um, you know, when it comes to arm strength, it's more about fitting the football into windows than it is the actual distance that you can throw the football. I can't believe, I know he didn't catch it, I can't believe Will Fuller got to that ball that Brandon Winbush threw down to the goal line. In, in person, it looks like there's no, from the yeah. press box, it looks like there's absolutely no well, way he's going to get to the ball. It was like the Zaire connection at Virginia. Right. I mean, when the ball left Zaire, this it was one was like, a little God, bit. That's by... in the stands. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fuller just runs underneath it. So, but I mean, I agree with you on the arm strength issue because I think Kaiser's arm strength is more than adequate. I, we're not talking about Tommy Reese here, where it's right. it's actually a negative affecting where you can put the ball on the field. It's just if you're going to push the ball 50 yards down the field vertically, Kaiser is probably not equipped to do that consistently and Will Fuller is equipped to consistently run that route so it, it does take a little bit of something away but it's in terms of 
getting the ball to the wide side of the field or hitting a 20-yard post. Like, Kaiser is more than yeah. capable of that. It's like any quarterback. If you get a chance to step into your throw, he, he's got plenty of arm yeah. for that. It's when you have somebody in your face that, that you're going to see it more. Absolutely. All right, well, that's it for our UMass wrap. We'll get into questions from our readers after this, talking a little bit about Notre Dame's depth, what we learned from some of the backups, all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. We are at segment two, burning up the boards. Uh, This is from Irish Bob. I'll start with you, Tim. Use one word to describe the Notre Dame offense and one to describe the Notre Dame defense, and you are limited to one word. No, I'm not. This is our show. We can do whatever we want. No. (laughs) Offense, I would say potent. Defense, I would say the best way to sum it up is two words, inconsistently good. You know, I mean, they're they're, they're hit and miss, but that's really a – how many? I'm, am I past one word now? <laughs> no, man. Pete, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, offensively, I go balanced, and defensively, nearsighted. It's hyphenated, so <laughs> building on high discipline. Offense, flammable, and defense is house of cards. Three words or one? Okay. That's a, you can hyphenate was, that one. Too, I was wondering. Right? No, I, I honestly, defense. I like to split it up because I, I do like the front seven, like you said. But I think that the secondary is precarious. That's. It really is. I, it is. I, I still have confidence in the corners, and, and I thought that they kind of had a, a pretty good bounce back effort. If you from this week going back to Virginia, you know Georgia Tech was a different, uh, you know, different scenario. But I think that, but man, I, you know, I just as they go into Clemson with the safeties, uh, Redfield has to be on the field, and uh, you know Shoemate does too. But yeah, boy, that, that is so hit and miss. Yeah, it's, I think the the long touchdown run last weekend is sort of that moment where you're like, oh, Matthias Farley, like the the intellectual smart football right. player takes you a long way, but then when it just turns into a foot race, which it may happen more than once against Clemson, that's you, you lose a lot. And in fairness to Farley, that's his worst position to have him playing. Yeah, that, that's tough. tough. I like Matthias Farley coming into yeah. games in certain situations, but that is not his. That's not. His I don't know when you when you're when you're two reliable players on that. In the linebacking core, Schmidt and, and Smith get stood up. That's why right. you have an eighty-three yard run, and give 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 the young freshman young uh, for UMass a lot of credit because he's he he's a blazer. Yeah, and I, I agree, Tim. I mean, the corners I think have played relatively well. People want to bang on Kavari Russell because he's not shutting down two receivers every play, but I mean, people don't complete passes on him anymore. And Cole Luke has you know had a couple PIs, but. You just look at the volume of work that he's getting, how many times yeah. he's being targeted. I don't think that's a slight on Cole Luke at all. He's still very productive. He's going to have to give up some completions. If you're thrown at 10 times a game, you're not going to break up nine passes. And he could continue to improve. He started getting better at this point last year, yeah. too. I know it's different. He had a rough got... Virginia game. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's what's slanting our opinion about him right now. J.C. Vincent. What did you learn from garbage time play regarding who got in and for how many snaps, and most importantly, the defensive line? I was surprised Grandpa Lankinship got in at all. Yeah. That was a little bit weird to me. Um, I thought Nick Coleman looked good, and, you know, he got beat for a, a long pass, or was it? Um, it was Coleman, yeah. But he was he was there, yeah. you know, it, he was in position. You know, that Tavon Coney did a couple good mm-hmm. things. He was in on goal line. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot to ask him to come in cold and – Stop somebody at the one yard line, but you know he's got a lot of ability. I thought he looked fairly explosive. So I mean, th- those were those were three guys that 
turn my head, you know, two for because they played well and one just because he got in. There was strange. I thought it was not strange personnel for the goal line, but you notice they had Jarrett Grace in both goal line situations lined up in coverage on the tight end. Yeah, because it was it was a weird group because they had Schmidt, Smith, Coney, and Grace. Grace, and Grace was in, standing in addition to Rochelle, Cage, Trombetti, Oquara. I think they had six defensive linemen in there too, but that. Again, I, I think that sort of went back to Mark Whipple throwing everything out there because I think one personnel set they had, it was a quarterback, a running back, and like seven offensive linemen and two tight ends or something. Like it was, Stanford. Yeah, it was, it was, it was <laughs> well, a bizarre many times, team. Yeah, many or, times uh, all seven of their people allowed on the offensive line were, I mean, it was six offensive linemen and a tight end. You know, but... The, but then they would jump into spread, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a good plan. For me, garbage time, Dexter Williams, I think, continues to look explosive. I mean, I think they've got three running backs that are – I mean, they're all guys that are capable of taking it the distance. And then Brandon Wimbush, from listening to Brian Kelly, it sounded like, you know, his perception of everything that was going on was a little uh, discombobulated. But, uh, man, what an athlete. The ability, His explosive run is very, was very, very impressive. If he has to play, you can win with him. You just got to dumb, dumb it down is the wrong phrase, but you do. You have to dumb it down a little bit. Don't give, don't give him as much as Kaiser has. Don't make it complicated for him. Let him play. Uh, it, you're better off, obviously, you're better off if your quarterback understands why a play is being run, but that might not be the case if he has to go yeah. in. He's a great athlete. Yeah, I mean, to, to run the zone read with him, with this offensive yeah. line and C.J. Pro size, I mean... Geez, like you, you, sh- you shouldn't have to throw the ball right. if he was in the game. Um, so, I mean, Tim, you you mentioned this for the last few weeks that they needed to get him in the game. So, if Kaiser turns an ankle uh, at Clemson, that it's not just like a deer in the headlights situation with Wimbush. And I mean, there's a lot to like about him. It's I think it's why you hear quietly around the program that the staff is like. If you like Zaire and Kaiser, you are really going to like Brandon Wimbush. He's the guy that can do, I think, everything that the staff wants. I'm actually excited to see Wimbush get in for one play because Kaiser's helmet comes off because I guarantee you he either keeps it or throws it 70 yards downfield yeah. or four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, keep in mind, though, I mean, when you talk about dumbing it down or making it easier for Brandon Wimbush, the best defensive fronts on Notre Dame's schedule are still coming up. Clemson, USC, BC, Stanford. So and Temple had ten and sacks, te- and te- and right? And, te- and Temple yeah. as well. So just keep an eye on that. It's like last year when the first five games of the year, when Notre Dame's defense was so dominant. Wow, they're great, they're tremendous, and then all of a sudden there was a big drop off. Partly because of injuries, partly because everybody wants to blame Van Gorder, but also because there are two teams on the field, and the best offenses that Notre Dame faced last year came in the last seven regular season games. All right, next up, we've kind of got into this a little bit already, but Port ND, what is the problem with Notre Dame's secondary? It appears that Redfield's recent lack of playing time may be more about being the doghouse than being injured. It's more about his thumb first. I mean, if he didn't have the thumb injury, I don't think there's a chance he wouldn't have played yeah, against Georgia Tech or started last week. But, but I do think that Brian Kelly is probably frustrated with his response three weeks later to the thumb injury. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that the way Kelly has answered questions about Redfield is very measured, um, maybe gritting teeth a little bit at times, because you just like you get the sense that Kelly, what Kelly would like to say is, just come on already, it's a thumb. And I thought Redfield responded much better against UMass. He wrapped up. This wasn't a replay of Virginia where he's just sort of throwing his shoulder around. I thought Redfield overall, yeah, they got 
he was in on the long throwback pass, but I mean, overall, I thought he did some good things. The problem in the secondary is the same problem they had, let's see, fourth and 17 games ago, you know, when they were breaking in the safeties. I, I, I'm sure they're much, much further along in terms of concepts and recognition and those kind of things. But I, I, to me, though, in addition to injuries and not being able to lose anybody else defensively, this season will be dictated by how well Notre Dame safeties play. It's hard to play safety in college football. It is. I mean, you I mean, you go back to the Diaco scheme, which was allegedly simple. Uh, it took Zeke Mata until his senior year to figure it out. Harrison Smith had two good years, and apparently that was so rare that he was a first-round pick, and now is a borderline all-pro in the NFL. So... It takes a lot to be a really good college safety today. Remember the Diaco's last year, 2013, they had bad safety play. This is three straight years. Well, no, we're not at the end of this year yet. This is yeah. two and a half straight years where you're wondering on podcasts about the safety play. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. Ryan P017, defensively in the first half against UMass, there was a lack of pressure from our second level. The pressure turned up in the second half, and UMass's ability to move the ball became non-existent. Do you think the lack of pressure in the first half was by design with the idea that Clemson's coming up next? Uh, I don't think it was by design. Uh, I mean, I've, I've gone through the first half and sort of looked at, you know, how much was UMass under pressure? How much were they not? I mean, it was it was more not than yes. And, I, you know, for a pressure for me is not hitting or sacking the quarterback. It's just making him not be able to throw on time or reshuffle his feet or throw off balance. Um, and... You know, they got a couple sacks in the first half when he was under pressure. I have him as, you know, you had two sacks, three completions, five incompletions. Um, I don't know how much of that was by design because of Clemson coming up. I just think that that was the defense. I don't think teams save too often for the opponent, but I do think Notre Dame maybe entered thinking we don't have to unleash every second-level blitz we have. To beat UMass, I mean the most. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of those like zone right. blitz off the edge overload type. It happened a couple times, and they got sacks out of it. Uh, like Shel- I think Sheldon Day's sack just before halftime was a zone blitz where he came, but then like I think Trombetti and Okara might have dropped off. It was I mean, it was a real kind of funky type thing, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of that. It's hard to tell defensively more so than offensively, but you could tell that this was the one game where Brian Kelly figured when it was twenty one twenty and Josh Adams was just in. Instead of ProSize and you need ProSize for the whole drive, he's, you know what? We have to be able to win with, with Josh Adams. Right. You don't know they were doing that defensively thinking, you know what? We have to be a little bit vanilla to be able to beat this team. Notre Dame's problem in their pass rush is they don't have very many good pass rushers. I, Romeo Aquara rarely shows yeah. up around the quarterback with any degree they have two of pass control. rushers. Day and it's Rochelle. Day and yeah. Rochelle. And Day's normally an interior guy, and Rochelle is just learning to become a better pass rusher. He wasn't a very good one last year, although I think he did lead the team in quarterback yeah, they're, pressure. They're like pocket wreckers. They're not pass rushers, if that may. I mean, it's great to wreck the pocket, and it's great to force, but it's right. not third and six. How are we going to keep this guy from getting in there? The best you can hope for, as I mentioned before, about when Kaiser gets a chance to stride into his throw, you need to throw the opposing quarterback off his stride. If they can do that with a degree of consistency... Day does that, that yeah. Yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Day makes penetration. Day beats his man 80% yeah. of the time. Yeah, there's no. I mean, that's really the best case scenario for Saturday night to me. Is like you're making Deshaun Watson uncomfortable in the same way you made Fronapple uncomfortable, and I think that by and large they did a pretty good job of that. I mean, this is a long, tall quarterback. I mean, both of them are really, and he found some guys open down the field, but 
in terms of clean pockets, setting and throwing, there was not a whole lot. No. Of, I mean, he he had guys in his face. There all were day. four. There were four series. If you go back and look at the play by play, where uh, there were like a flurry of incompletions, second and long, third and long, they had to punt, and that was four of those series, and they had three three and outs. So mm-hmm. it, again, it was a nine minute span, three series where the defense really struggled. Last question is uh, from Irish Ernie. What has been the reaction along the recruiting trail to Notre Dame's 4-0 start? You know, there, I don't think there's been a whole lot of reaction. I mean, DJ Morgan committed on Sunday. That was sort of in the book since his official visit earlier this month. Um, so that wasn't really a reaction to the season at all. To me, this is the this game against Clemson, if you win this one, that's when you get a reaction. I, I think Notre Dame fans are probably... They're more invested in the season than Notre Dame recruits are, uh, and that's natural. I think that happens everywhere. Starting 4-0, while rare historically at Notre Dame, it, they have done it three of the last four years, and beating Georgia Tech and Texas isn't going to really move the needle a whole lot. You go on the road and beat Clemson a game day, to me, this that's the Oklahoma game of 2012. Right. When that happened, Like, and Cole Luke is a great example Looking at Notre Dame, looking at Notre Dame, looking at Notre Dame. Uh, I like Texas. I like Oklahoma. Notre Dame goes and beats Oklahoma. He's there on an official visit to Oklahoma. He convinced Notre Dame a few weeks later. I thought it was interesting in in, uh, your crossing the lines. You pointed out the teams that Notre Dame's opponents up to this point have defeated. Yeah. Who's who's the best in that group? You had, uh, let's see, it was Alcorn State, Tulane, uh, who uh, Rice Rice was in there, and then... uh, Say Tulane Rice and who am I missing? I'm going with Rice no matter what at this point. <laughs> there was another. There were four teams and then, but then it was I, it was interesting. Oh, William and Mary uh, Rice. Yeah, so Rice, Rice, Rice is the best. But, but here are the teams Clemson's opponents have beaten: Samford, Gardner Webb, Tennessee Tech, Howard, and Old Dominion. So this to me, and this was the point of my whole column is like, look, we know Notre Dame is good. How good they are. We don't, and Brian Kelly is in that group. So if if you, if you want to pound the table and say I know Notre Dame is a top four playoff team right now, that's great. Brian Kelly doesn't, and that's what this weekend is going to be all about. Because I think Clemson is in the same boat. We know Clemson is good. We don't know how good, but I think we're going to find out on Saturday night well, in just, both directions. Yeah, I mean, just a little sneak preview with Clemson. I mean, Deshaun Watson has accuracy issues. If you've seen him. Play he has accuracy issues too. the The main thing for me is just the environment they're going into. Notre Dame's yeah. better than Clemson. I, I believe that, even with the injuries. And actually, both teams have had significant injuries. So I think Notre Dame's a better football team. And I, and I do like the idea that they're going into this. I mean, this is a mature football team. They're certainly not going to be intimidated going in, into this situation. I can't wait to see it feel it, be a part of it, because you don't really know until you're immersed in it. Yeah, no question. Well, this is going to be a very fun week for Irish Illustrated Insider and Notre Dame fans and probably the Notre Dame football program, too. Building up to Clemson, we'll be back on October 1st for our preview of Notre Dame at Clemson. So until then, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Come check out that website. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening. Oh,